We haven't been reading the Torah portion simply because we're doing a little bit shorter service. Last week's Torah portion, my mother noted and she wrote an open letter to the governor of our state. If you haven't seen that, I think it was sent to the whole prayer chain, but do ask her to give you a copy. I thought it was very well written, very good letter. And I actually don't disagree with it, but I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. This arose from conversation I had with my mother and father over the contents of that letter, in fact. So this is a little different perspective on what occurred with our nation over the last month. So the traditional perspective on this has to do with leprosy. My mother wrote that she is being treated by the governor of Colorado as a leper, unable to go and see her family because of the restrictions that he has put on because of COVID-19. And there's some truth to that. She was, in fact, unable to see her family because she was complying with the governor's orders with regard to the stay-at-home. So what is leprosy? It's a degenerative skin disease, mostly wiped out in the developed world. It arises from a bacteria which is found most often in, in very dirty and in infected places. It causes scabs on the skin and eventually loss of feeling and, and falling apart. That is probably not the same disease, leprosy, that is referred to in the Bible. The symptoms are a little different if you look at the biblical symptoms for their skin disease. It's not modern leprosy. In fact, most rabbis don't believe that biblical leprosy is a physical disease at all. It certainly manifests on the body. But the rabbinic belief is that the disease has nothing to do with getting a bacteria or a virus into you at all. It is, in fact, a physical manifestation of a spiritual state. And that's why the priests are the ones delegated to deal with it because it is a spiritual infection that has entered a person. And the rabbinic interpretation is that this is a physical manifestation of Lashon Hara, the evil tongue. And one of the things about Lashon Hara is it's infectious. Lashon Hara, for those of you who don't know, is evil speech about another. It is not required to be false, although it often is. It is speech that is intended to damage someone else. And it's really, really infectious. It's something you've got to remove someone from society for. And as my mother said, quite correctly, exile is in many ways actually worse than death. We all know people that we loved who have perished, and we miss them terribly. But they don't miss us right now. They're sleeping with their fathers. They are not feeling the sorrow of loss and separation in death that we are. We're all thinking of someone right now, oh, I've lost this person to death. I miss that person terribly. They're resting with their fathers. They're not missing us. An exile, a leper, suffers the other side of that. They suffer death without rest. They miss their family in that exile. They are as one dead. But they don't have rest during that death. In fact... Exile is one of the most psychologically damaging punishments that we know of. In the medieval church, they would excommunicate someone, considered such a severe punishment that people would go to tremendous lengths to avoid it. When excommunication was pronounced, in many cases, death was preferable. People would actually attack some local guard to get killed because 
excommunication was actually worse than death. The Mennonites and the Amish in the United States still use shunning as a form of enforcing community norms because it is so tremendously effective. As I was writing this, there's a young man on a board that I'm on who was raised Mennonite, and he decided to start a business which required the approval of the elders. And they said, this business involves usury. You cannot do it. It's unbiblical. He said, I'm going to start the business anyway. And they shunned him. Everyone in his life suddenly would not speak to him. He said the psychological damage that it did to him was so great that the business collapsed within months. He simply could not focus on the business because he couldn't think because of the consequences of that. The Orthodox still do it. The Orthodox in New York declare people harem if they have violated that covenant. It's a tremendously powerful punishment. So why am I talking about this in the context of America? Uh, probably when I was an early teenager, my father converted, and I grew up listening to Christian radio and hearing Christian preachers involved in that community. And one of the things I heard over and over again, once a week or more, I would hear this phrase or something semantically equivalent to it. If God doesn't punish America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you guys heard that? You guys have probably heard that exact phrase before from a radio preacher. And of course, those radio preachers are exactly correct. America is full of sin. But I actually want to talk about what's sin, because that's important. The punishment on Sodom and Gomorrah is different than the punishment America requires. So there are three understandings that I want to talk about. The first is why Sodom and Gomorrah was punished. The second is the sin in our nation. And the third is how God's punishment works. So the Torah portion we didn't read, which is fine because I'm not really preaching off of it, does in fact cover what is commonly called the sin of Sodom or sodomy. That's not why Sodom was punished. I want to make that very clear. That is certainly a sin, but it's not why Sodom is punished. I'm going to go to Ezekiel for this. Ezekiel 16:49. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did abominable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. Now, the United States has plenty of arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned folks. And we do abominable things, but we actually don't have a problem of not helping the poor and needy. In terms of private charitable giving, the United States is the number one nation per capita by a large margin. So the punishment of Sodom is not actually appropriate for us. We have a different sin. The sin we have is we don't speak plain truth. It's an epidemic across our nation. The newsrooms, the halls of power, the pulpits. Fake news is the epitome of describing our nation. Fake news was the cry of the election. It was used by one side and then the other. It's been the watchword of our nation for the past four years. Fake news. Examples spring to mind more readily. I could fill this entire time just listing fake news. It wouldn't even be hard. No, our president did not, in fact, tell you to inject Lysol. In strict fact, 
2 million Americans were not going to die from coronavirus in 2020. That model was garbage. It turns out that masks protect you or they don't protect you. It actually doesn't matter which is true because our government has said both of them. I've just used the last week. That's literally just fake news from the last week. If I went back a month, I would have another score of examples for the year even more. That is our sin. America lies. America lies from the pulpit. America lies from the newsroom. America lies from the mouths of politicians. America lies to each other. We are a nation that is steeped in Lashon Hurrah. We use speech to hurt. We use speech to injure. We use speech to cover up sin. Sin is a problem, but the problem of America is we can't tell the truth about it. We can't even tell the truth about political positions. One of the things that you'll see is spin around what we really believe. When I was growing up, we are not pro-abortion. We're just pro-choice. Nobody wants an abortion. Oh, well, it turns out actually they do. Pretty aggressively, as we found out when we tried to do things that would actually reduce the rate. The lies are full across the nation. And both parties lie. This isn't a political thing. It's a national thing. So the third point is, how does God punish a nation? We know how God punishes people. People get punished for their sin as they sow, they reap. How does God punish a nation? Punishment falls as the rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous alike. You can use a bunch of examples, but the obvious one that is foremost in our minds is, is Daniel. Daniel was a righteous man in an unrighteous kingdom. And that kingdom was sanded off and he was schlepped off to Babylon and he would never again return to his homeland for his entire life for no sin he had ever committed. There's no record in scripture of Daniel sinning. And he was thrown out of his homeland for his entire life. And he served in Babylon and they were sinful. And Daniel still didn't sin. And they still got sanded off. And he got schlepped over to Persia. Not because in either case Daniel was a sinful man. But he lived his entire life suffering the punishment of God because his nation was sinful. So our current exile in America. We're coming out of a month of exile. A month of living the life of a leper. And one of the things that happens in the community, if the priests do not properly ensure the cleanness of the leper returning, is that the community will have leprosy grow. The task of the priests is to cleanse the community of leprosy, to cleanse it of its evil speaking. And what we have here is a nation that is not taking any effort during this time to cleanse itself. So if we do not take that effort, what you're going to see is in fact the opposite of the cleansing that we need. God is giving us a chance. God is saying, your nation is leprous. Go into exile and pray for healing from this so that you can be declared clean. We need to tell people that. We need to show people by our actions that we have gone into exile for leprosy. 
it's time to take that time to be healed. There were many prayers, which I loved. Let us use this time to rekindle the church. Let us use this time to start a new revival, to have a new anointing fire fall on the leadership of the church to clean their tongues. Take a coal from the altar and touch our tongues. That is what is needed right now. And that's what God is letting us see in this exile. Hey guys, this is the punishment for an evil tongue. Take it and heal your tongues so that you can be reaccepted in the community. Because if you don't, what happens if there's no healing during that time? Leprosy consumes the entire body until you are so leprous that your entire body, head to foot, is leprous. And then he'll bring you back in that state as well. So the United States has two choices of how to come out of this exile and leprosy. We can either come out so fully leprous that we are entirely sinful, or we can come out cleansed. And it's our choice as a nation how to do that. And I don't see the most of our nation taking the right actions, but we can. We can speak that out and we can say, God is punishing us in a specific way for a specific reason. It is not an accident that exile and quarantine is what was inflicted on us. Just as it wasn't an accident that violent destruction was inflicted on the violence of Sodom. Punishments are designed by God intentionally for a crime. Now that we know ours, and now that it fits, we use that time to heal the disease that he has shown us that we have. So go out and let people know our nation is leprous. We need God to heal that leprosy so that we don't come out of this exile covered from head to toe in leprosy.